Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investors Podcast, where we aim to give you the knowledge and confidence to move from residential into commercial property investment. And I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This week, I'm going to attempt to answer a frequently asked question. That is, how on earth do I find out about local market demand for a potential CMO or commercial multi-let building? You know, I've spotted a good doer-upper, but will anyone actually want to rent the space? Well, that's the question I'm going to try and answer today. This is more focused around multi-let commercial properties, but will also work in the main for straightforward single lets. But back to basics as usual. What type of commercial are you looking at? Don't be blind to the different types. It can be a bit chicken and egg, which comes first, the investment strategy or the specific building. I think it's okay to be opportunistic and look for the angles with forgotten or run-down buildings. Your job is to build your overall strategy out whilst being flexible enough to work out the best use for each opportunity that's presented to you. Ha! I say presented to you, as though someone's just going to put it in front of you. If that was the case, there'd be no point in doing this podcast. Unfortunately, like everything in life, you're going to have to work for the results. But that's okay, if at least you know what the work might be. And that's what I hope to share with you in this episode. So, what type of commercial property are you interested in? We're going to start somewhere. Or could the building you found actually be used for a particular type? So what is it? Are you looking at retail, industrial, office use, leisure, or even a mixed use? And often commercial multi-lets are mixed uses. The building's current use or planning classification and the location may determine the type of customer will actually want to rent space from you, of course. So for instance, I'm working with someone at the moment who's identified a reasonably sized local government building, it's now surplus to their requirements and it's on the market. It's an older building with good character. I like that. It's in a smaller town, quite a small town, and no one's actually been interested in it or at least put an offer in for about 12 months. So it's not necessarily the right space for a multi-let office building or workspace for business to business or B2B, you know, like a kind of commercial centre set up. However, it could really suit as a multi-let for therapies and small studio spaces, a sort of local community hub for B2C businesses, where they perhaps have customers coming in on appointment-only basis, they're coming in for a treatment, they're coming in for relaxation, they may be meeting with other colleagues, but generally it's done by appointment and that will help with certain classifications. But it's not B2B, it's not somebody coming in to discuss accountancy or coming in to see their lawyer. It's more relaxed, it's B to C. And that is a subtle difference, but in certain locations, certain building types will suit that. 
So don't close yourself off to those as ideas. So we are currently working up a plan on that building based on that specific marketplace. In this scenario, things like unit sizes, car parking, toilet provision, toilet location, security, how to create inspiring and welcoming communal space, these things are all important. You might, of course, not be able to rent out the specific communal space unless you can run events. But if, if it's just for use for everyone, you will not be able to get a direct rent for it. But it will raise the value of the surrounding spaces as the occupants can all share the cost of the communal offering rather than having to create their own individual waiting or reception areas. And sometimes that can really help push up price. It's still good value for them because they rent much smaller spaces, but just the space they need to actually carry out their business activity. So have a think about this. Do you have an older community building in your town that nobody knows what to do with? If so, start asking questions and thinking about the options. Get in touch with us. It's the kind of thing that we've done ourselves on a number of occasions. Local towns often have, or small local towns, often have ex-municipal buildings that the government or the local agencies just don't quite know what to do with. And to be fair, if they're not going to give planning permission to change it into flats, then a commercial use is still required. But that means the price point can be a bit more advantageous, shall we say, particularly because there's less competition for it. But anyway, back to the point. I have some local market knowledge in this case, which goes a long way to being able to identify a building use and potential demand. But what if you don't have that knowledge? Where do you start? How can you work out local rental demand? So I'm going to give you a list of activities you can get to work on so that you can build up that knowledge for yourself. Even if it's not your first purchase, I find that sooner or later you are going to have to move outside of your own geographical area at least to be able to get more deals and good locations for multi-let properties. There is generally a finite number in the local area for multi-let. Not always, but often the case. It's what we have done, anyway, over the years. And each time I've had to work out what the demand is. So as an example, um, a few years ago when looking at a specific area that I thought would be, there would be a strong demand, I just went out and bought an ordnance survey map, pile of drawing pins, and just started detailing on the map and pinning up where buildings were, where competitors were, what I found out about other properties, and that's just a good place to get started. Incidentally, we have a few locations now with another large building coming our way very soon. I can't wait to tell you about that one. The story for this goes quite a long way back and it's really good. At least it sounds good in my head. But anyway, our recent 10,000 square foot building we bought with self-storage, I might have mentioned a couple of months ago. That It doesn't need much done to it, so I'm not really talking too much about it in the podcast. But I'm going to share our progress on this next one as we go along, so, so listen out for that on future episodes. But anyway, back, back to the list, back to the list. If you're just getting started in a new area, here are some of the things that have helped me get an idea of potential demand for our, our particular offering. So the first thing, Go and chat to local agents who know the area. Now, I've mentioned agents before. There's some good, there's some bad, and there's some ugly. There's the talkative, there's the ones that do not return your calls, the secretaries don't return your calls, and they just don't want to talk to you. 
Occasionally, though, there are some really helpful agents. So when you find them, ask the questions. And those questions might be, um, what could they let more of if they had it? What do they have lots of that nobody wants? Because that might give you an idea of something that will be low in cost, but maybe you could change it. As an example, with the current situation that's going on, maybe there's going to be some surplus hospitality space soon. That might be something you can convert. Of course, some of these examples are the same as you may well have done in, in residential. You might ask them, what's selling well? What's renting well? What are customers demanding? What are the square foot rates on office, retail, industrial, or mixed use in the area? Now, some may tell you lots, of course, and over time, some may tell you nothing. <laughs> but bear in mind, these guys and girls may not understand your model enough to be able to give you a worthwhile opinion. But you're just listening and trying to disseminate what is fact rather than what is opinion. I remember one agent telling me the market was hossing up. And some people were even getting up to £15 a square foot, maybe 20 I haven't had the heart to go back to them to tell them we're regularly achieving double or even triple that sometimes. What they say to you is from their viewpoint and what they've experienced. But in commercial multi-let, the price that you can get per square foot can be significantly more than the market. And if they don't really understand that model, it might cloud their opinion of your model. So anyway, let's move on. Networking groups, the old networking one. Well, at the moment, of course, it's all online. But at networking groups, it's about asking questions about property. Where are people based? Where would they ideally be based? What are the rubs? If they're in the city or the town that you're looking at, what are the things that they would really like and they're not getting just now? For instance, is it parking? Is it I mean, in some cases, it literally is, I would like a window. Some offices don't have windows. This could be an offline or an online activity, of course. When we get back to some semblance of normality, we may be able to go to networking meetings, breakfast meetings, lunch meetings. But you're looking for B2B organisations here, unless you think your building can potentially be a B2C building. And if that's the case, network in the right places. So the third one. If you're looking at a wider area, look on the national agents' websites. The first one I said was just chat to local ones because they've got the feet on the ground. They maybe understand the local market better. But if you're looking at a wider area where some of these local agents might not cover all of that, then look through the national agents' websites for the particular type of property you're interested in and work out the rental rates and yields. This will tell you a few things. So, for instance... Is it £5 a square foot or £200 a square foot? Or a yield of 15%, which may mean that there's a risk there because it's such a high yield or a reversionary yield of 3.4%. All these different stats that they put on their websites about what different properties can achieve. You've got to try and filter them. But over time, you're going to find out what's happening in different areas, what price points there are. And that will then help you work out whether that suits your strategy. So, for instance, if you're looking for single units and you're looking for a good long-term hands-off income, then taking on a multi-let building with lots of repairs and things and unknowns to be done, that might not be necessarily what you want to do unless you find a good partner. But it's just trying to work out which areas fit your strategy. 
And you can find a lot out from national agents' websites. Of course, the other one is, you know, some of these guys don't list anything. And that can tell you something too. There is another set online as well. These are online brokers. So this is the fourth thing. They're a very good place to look, particularly internationally. So online brokers are, I'm talking about really about serviced space or uh, managed space. So you might have somebody that has a row of industrial buildings, perhaps a communal reception or gate. There may be a, a building with multi-let buildings. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. with lots of office space or studio space and these online brokers will list those types of properties. An example would be instant, they used to be called instant offices, complete office search, flexi offices, easy offices. They purely have online presence. They do not have locations where you can go and talk to them. They are online and increasingly international. I remember when we started, these guys were just local. And the biggest market by far in the world was London. So a lot of them were London-centric. But now they've moved um, and set up offices in New York, Australia, the Far East. The, these guys have gone around the world and they've got uh, a trend there. And they've got themselves into a really good place online of listing these types of spaces. And it's left the more traditional national agents well behind. Well, they are starting to catch up. Some of them. Interestingly, interestingly, these online brokers, they don't all have their own database. Some are just white labeling, which is why the exact same listings reappear on each website, or at least on some of the websites. Don't get me wrong, the people I've just said aren't all together on the same database. But there is quite a few of them out there. But actually, when you narrow it down, there's less databases. So if you can get listed or at least look at a few of them, that's going to give you an idea of what's going on. A couple of years, uh, sorry, a couple of acquisitions ago when I was doing my research, I could hardly see any broker leads for our type of space in a pretty large conurbation. And after much searching, I realised that was because there weren't any, which was an excellent discovery, of course. So don't be put off by the fact that you can't find any information out or very little. That just might be a sign of the fact that that market has not been developed yet. The fifth thing, place to try, is places like Gumtree or Viva Street or Craigslist. And some of these are coming and going in terms of value, but some will work well in some areas. Some areas they do not. As an example, Craigslist does not really work particularly well for us. 
country has in the past. So go on one of these websites, plug in the locations you're looking at and see what comes up. And of course, if you're really serious and have the time, then place an ad. See what you get. You know, two-person office or 500-square-foot industrial unit or 300-square-foot work studio coming up, coming soon, and see what, what you get back. The sixth thing, speak to local government business support agencies. So in our country, you might that might be somebody like Business Gateway. Now, I know some of these guys might be competitors, and I've definitely found that in the past, so I can understand why you might be cautious with what you share. Some of these agencies have a leg or an arm, whatever you want to call it, that actually rents their own properties. So tread the path carefully, but you can find out lots of info if you speak to the right people and ask the right questions. Some of these organisations are really big, of course, and they don't know what the left hand or the right hand is doing. So speaking to the right person can give you lots of answers, but steer clear of the wrong person. I have actually found my ideas copied, locations copied, even website content borrowed, shall we say, by some of these organisations because I've gone in and had a conversation about it. But, you know, that's how life sometimes works. If you want to find something out, sometimes you've got to give something. So here's the seventh thing. This is the big one. Get online and do a full competitor analysis. My brain really likes visual stuff. So as I mentioned earlier on, buy a map, or at least for me, I buy maps. Local areas, start sticking on post-its and information that you're finding out on competitors and their offerings. And of course, what you're finding out from the agents and the local gatekeepers too. The gatekeepers being people that you've maybe networked with that are well-connected. Because all these little bits start building the picture. And you might find over time that as you build up the picture on the particular area you're looking at or town, that actually, maybe there's too much competition. Maybe there's not enough B2B business or B2C even. Or maybe it's more of a commuter town, although we've done well in commuter towns. You, you, as you build all that information, you're going to get more understanding of how that local market works. And it does not come overnight. It does take time to study that stuff. So I'm afraid you're going to have to do it. But it can be very, very rewarding if you get it right. So after you've done that competitor analysis and found out what they're charging, how many spaces they have, what their occupancy is like, what their offering is not necessarily just oh they have offices but actually do they have somebody looking after them do they have the electric included or excluded is the bill got everything on it is internet included do they have super fast internet access or is it actually just a standard copper wire there's so many things you can find out and by doing that you can learn what you need to do differently to be able to make your offer unique follow that up if you can, by driving through the areas and checking out the competition. So this is the eighth thing. Get in your car, get on the bus, start walking, whatever you like doing, and get out and have a look. Some people, some offerings, may not even have an online presence at all. I've seen that in the past. Where they actually have a building, the only thing they have is a bit of signage and a few mates, and that's all they've done to get occupants. And maybe they didn't need to do anything else, which again will tell you something. Some buildings might be disguised by how they're marketed. For instance, if a property agent is used, 
they may not list the fact that the building is part of a multi-let building, so you might not even be able to establish that by looking on the internet. They might not mention there's communal offerings. And often by the very nature of the fact that an agent is promoting it rather than somebody within the company, mean, it means there may be an opportunity for you. I've certainly found in the past if agents, local or national, are trying to manage a multi-let building, they are not as successful as having somebody there yourself, somebody on the ground who can go and see that customer or respond to that inquiry. So often if you can find those buildings just by driving around and not necessarily on the internet, you're going to just start to discover what some of the rubs are for local customers. Work out what the competitors are not doing and what you can offer that is different. If there are any competitors, of course, ask yourself why. Why has nobody done it? Is it because um, there's no demand? Or is it because just nobody's done it? And, and I have found more often than not, it's because just nobody's done it yet. There is a place for you. Remember what I've said on previous podcasts, the buying price or entry price is so important when you face competition. Having competition there doesn't mean you can't do it. Sometimes having two or three buildings locally all doing, or two or three takeaways all doing the same thing, they attract more customers. It's just the way it works. Hairdressers. How often have you found five, six, seven, eight hairdressers all next to each other? How many people need the haircut? But of course... By them all being local, it actually helps when they're all together. So bear in mind, sometimes the only competition you can measure is actually traditional leased property. Because if you can't find a multi-let building that's serviced or managed, then actually just look at traditional leased space and see what the prices are, what the customers are like, what the typical size are, where are the vacancies. Are the vacancies in 10,000 square foot units or are the vacancies in... 200 square foot units. These days, certainly where, where we're based, I find it's the larger ones that tend to be vacant. The much smaller ones tend to be let because that's what people want at the moment. So the ninth thing, check out the online property taxes register that's relevant to your area. So the one for Scotland is the Scottish Assessors website. Just pop that into Google, Scottish Assessors website and you'll find it SAA or SSA or whatever it is great information on there tells you all about who the tenant is um, what the rateable value is and when they moved in or indeed if it's vacant now these things are not always kept up to date as well as they should be but it's a place to go and get some more information uh, the English rates can be found on I think it's um, wstax.service.gov.uk forward slash business hyphen rates hyphen find slash valuations. I mean, <laughs> just bung in business rates valuations on Google. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, this, this one's actually quite useful because it even gives you the market price, what they think the market rent should be, how they work it out. There's a little bit less information than some other websites. In Scotland, it does tell you who actually occupies a unit. Um, I'm not sure if you can get that information off the English one. But go on and have a look around, depending on where you live. If you don't live in the UK and you're out in another country, just have a look. There will be local information about the property taxes. And what I've found is that 
they tend to have a valuation they set against the property. And it might be that that valuation is from a few years ago, so it may not be relevant now, but that valuation will give you an indication of what they think market rent would be if that property was leased. Not if it was a serviced offering, because if it's serviced, you're going to be putting on the costs on top of that. And they're looking at a lease, so the tenant would be taking on responsibility for the electric and the water and the heating and insurance, etc. So you have to remember that will be factored in, and it's important that that is not included in the valuation role, which they don't, or at least so far they haven't for us. So th these are good places to find out how much is the actual, their opinion on what the local market rent is, and also, if you're lucky enough to have one that tells you where there's vacancies and where there's occupants, you can kind of start to work out what's selling and what isn't. So last but not least, the 10th thing. Who do you know in the local area? I know this is a simple one, but it's really worked well for me. Get on the phone and talk to them. Ask the questions we talked about earlier on. I mean, I would set up meetings with people I knew in, in towns or different areas that were in my network just to gather information. Of course, you need to try and help them too. But if you can find out information from local gatekeepers or people who are in know, it's amazing sometimes. How on earth these guys spend years learning all this stuff? And they've not done it necessarily because they're in that industry, but sometimes it's just because there's gossip or over the years they've taken an interest in what's happened in their, their area. So Sometimes you can find people who really just, they know the market really well, but they don't invest in it. So the great thing is there's no conflict of interest. If you perhaps find somebody who is in property and does what you do and they're in that city, then there's a conflict, okay? They may be great pals, but there is a conflict. So find gatekeepers, find people in that local market that are in your network that you maybe know personally or somebody you know can introduce you to them because there can be real fonts of knowledge if you find the right people about what's happening in the local market. So there you go. That's 10 different ways to gather information on potential local demand. This is something I would normally go into a lot more detail with mentees, but I'll make sure the 10 items are listed in the show notes so you have a reference checklist. But let's just quickly nip back and I'm just going to review them again for you. So the first thing was just chat to your local agents. The good, the bad and the ugly, the ones that are going to talk to you are obviously the ones that are best, the ones that are not going to talk to you are not going to be so helpful. But I think as the market's changing at the moment, you will be surprised at how many will be talking to you. Get out, get networking. At the moment, it's obviously via Zoom and other platforms on the internet. But when we get back to some semblance or normality, go and join networking groups in your target areas if you can. If you're looking at a wider area, this is the third point, look on national agents' websites. Find out about yields. You can find out quite a lot just by looking at the particulars on properties. I know there'll be all sorts of mumbo-jumbo on there, but it should give you an idea. The fourth thing, online brokers. These guys are specifically for serviced or managed space. Not necessarily offices, but can include industrial and workspace. But they're, they're a very good place to look to see what else is on the market. But bear in mind, some of them will be listing the same as another one. So it may look like there's loads, but actually there's maybe only two or three. So just make sure you do your diligence there. The fifth thing, have a look at those other platforms like Gumtree, Craigslist, uh, Viva Street if it's still going. Just place an ad maybe, see what comes in, talk about a building that's coming up soon, see if you get any bites. 
The sixth thing, speak to local government business support agencies. These guys will tell you what the local market's like if you speak to the right one. They may they may try and sell you their own space and it might be better going in without telling them everything about your plans and maybe a little bit more about your other business if you have another business. Maybe just keep the information slightly thin while you try and work out where they are in the organisation. But once you've worked established that, they will give you some good information on what the local market is and in particular what the local demand is. If they are uh, an advisor in particular, they'll tell you what their customers' pains are and what they're looking for and what's not available. It's just going to help you build that picture because this is all about working out what the local market demand is. It's not necessarily going to work out the price, although that's going to help, but it's just going to work out what is missing and what you can offer that's going to be more advantageous and differentiate yourself. So the seventh thing is get online and do a full competitor analysis. Find out everything you can, whether it's the rates they charge, their vacancies, their occupancy, what they're offering actually is, does it include internet, does it not, does it include electrics, water, what does it include, what does it not include, does it have staff on site, is it through an agent, how does it work? That can start to form an idea of what is working in the market and what's missing in the market. Next thing, of course, is the eighth thing is follow that up by actually getting out into these areas, looking at the competition that you've identified, but also you'll find others will start appearing as you're out there that you couldn't find online. They're not all online. That will really help because it gives you much, for me, visual again, it gives me a lot better idea and feeling of what's working and what's not working, what's quiet, what's got good signage, what's really difficult to find, what's got good parking, what looks tired, what looks exciting. You know, there's all sorts of things you can find by just getting out there. The ninth thing is check the online property um, taxes registers in your relevant country because you'll find lots of information on there. Some give you more than others, but it will give you an idea of what they think the market rate is. And hopefully in some of them will give you what the vacancies and the occupancy is like. And last but not least, silly one, but who do you actually know in that area? You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised when you ask the question of what people actually know about their local area. And some of them particularly if you ask the right ones, will have no conflict of interest. They just really know what's going on in their market. So, that's them all. Wherever you are going for your first or your next acquisition, carry out lots of due diligence on the potential demand in your area you're looking at. And just because there is lots or indeed no competition, it doesn't mean your building will not work. You'll be far better prepared and can hone your offering with much better understanding of the market if you just get busy and do the work up front. How much of this list could you be doing right now, even if you're stuck in because of the coronavirus? Now, if you're listening to this in a few months' time, hopefully that's a dim and distant memory. But so much of this can be done online. So much of this can be done by the phone. A lot of it is desktop stuff. But ultimately, you're going to have to get out there and have a look around, of course. So I hope that's been helpful. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the ongoing reviews. It's been great to get the feedback. Really appreciate it. If anyone hasn't left a review yet and feels so inclined, please go onto iTunes or your favourite platform. Leave us a review. It'll all help us get more guests and more content on this uh, podcast. So thank you very much and we'll speak to you next week. 